Talk of the Devils is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder allows you to make personalized bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bets with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app it can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18 only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, I'm Carl Anker and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the new Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week, Manchester is red, Bruno Fernandes is the GOAT, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka might be the best 1v1 fullback in the Premier League. Hyperbole? And let's consult the experts. As usual, I'm joined by Laurie Whitwell, The Athletic's Manchester United writer. Laurie, how are you doing today? Hey Carl, I'm good. You okay? I'm really good. It's amazing how better your week gets when Manchester United's won, isn't it? <laughs> well, a derby win like that as well. Pretty spectacular. <laughs> Also with us is United We Stand editor and contributing writer to the Athletic, Andy Mitten. Andy, you said Manchester United have a bad record at Stamford Bridge. They won. You said Manchester United have a bad derby record at Old Trafford. They won. Uh, you got this week's lottery numbers. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it before every big game now. And <laughs> things are looking much brighter than they did six or seven weeks ago after that defeat to Burnley. The, the the derby win was really really enjoyable one of the highlights of the season so far so if you need any predictions give me a shout sure thing let's talk about that derby win it was a strange game a little bit I was watching it at home uh, Manchester City seemed a little bit static didn't seem a little bit flat Manchester United then just sprung to life with a bit of magic from Bruno Fernandes and Martial is it a story of Man United counterpunches or did Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just completely out tactic Pep Guardiola Laurie what your thoughts. I think you've got to give Solskjaer credit, really. I mean, it's it's three wins out of four now. Um, it's no fluke, clearly. He knows how to, to set his team up against Pep Guardiola's side and, and they were effective. They deserved to win. You know, I know that City dominated possession 72%. They're always going to do that, really, aren't they? But I think United had more incision and had a better game plan about them. I really enjoyed that goal, actually, the the set-piece goal, because you know we've, we've criticised them before this season for not scoring from set-pieces, and that was straight off the training ground. And, and if you look at Solskjaer and Carrick on the bench, um, when, when the sort of highlights sort of go through, you, you can see that Solskjaer sort of nudges Carrick and, and, and grabs his arm as he realises that they're going to go for it, because you know Fred raises his arm, I think Bruno sort of flicks his arm up, and then Fred raises his arm, and that's the trigger for Martial to go, and he kind of plays on the fact that I think people think of him as, as a kind of a non-plus kind of character sort of on the pitch, doesn't necessarily always show the the, the vigour and, and, and he sort of certainly looked like he wasn't switched on for, for that free kick but clearly he was very much alert and, and, and he knew when to time his run and also you've got to give credit for the actual the volley over his shoulder difficult skill to execute and I know that Edison should have saved it but still I think he because he wasn't set and, and he didn't expect that kind of shot I think you have to give credit to Solskjaer I mean maybe second half they dropped back a bit too deep and Solskjaer himself said um, that they could have um, been more aggressive in the press still um, obviously Bruno led from the front really you know bursting through that number 10 position I thought he was great um, and, and Dan James I thought ran himself into the ground but maybe on a couple of occasions could have um, chosen different paths I know that's sort of an area that United will, will look at um, but all in all I mean those scenes at the end when McTominay I mean great finish again I know it was an Edison mistake but to, to take it first time and, and whip it like he did from, from 30 odd yards you know long distance out absolute bedlam in the stands and, and a noise that I've not heard for a long long time at Old Trafford so uh, I think enjoy it harness it and, and make sure that it's um, a springboard for, for future games. Andy, I want to get your thoughts. What was your favourite Bruno Fernandes moment? Was it the assist or was it when he shushed Pep Guardiola? <laughs> 
both of them. They were they were great, and I didn't expect United to to win the game. I said it last week because City have been so good at Old Trafford, and I thought that Bruno's combinations with Fred look really encouraging and bode well for the future. I thought Fred had another excellent game. Spoke to him after the game. He was the last player out of the stadium because he was chosen to do the, the random drug testing. But it was worth waiting for and it's been great to see how his United career has gone from him feeling like he's got no future at the club to being a, a really important player. And he gets on well with Fernandez on and off the pitch. And it was it was a it was a day of of highs really. It was another clean sheet. They keep clean they keep keeping them. McTominay's goal right at the end in front of the Stretford end was fantastic. Fred actually ran to celebrate that one with Michael Carrick and Kieran McKenna, who I know he appreciates the help that they gave him when things were a lot less brighter for him than than they are at the moment. But Fernandez has, has been the main man. I, I joked in the first half that Mancunian should consider putting a statue of him on top of the Beaven Tower, like uh, <laughs> Christ the Redeemer in Rio with his arms outstretched, just guarding over the city of Manchester, knowing full well that it'd wind City fans up. And then, you know, he had people saying, well, don't get carried away. And I'm not getting carried away. He's only been there for uh, six, seven weeks, but he has made a massive impact. And United's season has gone from one of, of doom and, and people really doubting Oli Gunnar to a really bright prospect and, and outlook at the moment. But there's still uh, distance off fourth. I spoke to three or four of the players after the game and none of them were getting carried away, especially the man you Matic. And he's like, it's just three points. We've got to be finishing in the top four. And even that's not really good enough. This this team should be fighting for titles. And I quite like that. They're not getting too despondent when they're losing and they're not getting too carried away when they're winning. And they're winning a lot at the moment. We'll get onto the menu match very, very shortly. But I just want to have a little special moment for Aaron Wampasaku. Laurie, what, what's going on here? Eight successful tackles against City. Um, Sterling, he just seems to have his number, doesn't he? I mean, how many tackles he's made on him individually, I'm not sure. But against him, against him at the Etihad, he, he, he sort of did a number on him. And then again, at Old Trafford, he, he must be so frustrating to try and go go against. Um, and, and But also in an attacking sense, I thought he did much better than, than you know, he's clearly improving in that side of the game. And United are working with him um, on that kind of stuff um, at the training ground, obviously. Andy's mentioned um, Kieran and, and Michael Carrick, and and they do 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 those sort of individual sessions um, with players when they're trying to get um, improvements in, in in specific areas. So Wambasaka will um, sort of be set up in uh, game match scenarios and. Is 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 uh, sort of ambition in, in that particular drill is to get past a player and and, and whip across in. Um, so they're doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I did actually quite enjoy, as well as Fred, Wambasaka was the other United player that, that got pulled for a drugs test. And I, I quite enjoy the fact that um, it was described to me sort of for an hour after the game, he was uh, chaperoned by, you know, by the drugs testers because they, they're not allowed to let them out of their sight. And, and I quite like the fact that, you know, he was shadowing, you know, Sterling pretty much for the whole game. And, and then he, he's had to get a taste of his own medicine with a sort of man marker <laughs> off the pitch. <laughs> if I had to be so, um, sort of you know, enjoy that sort of aspect of it. But um, but yeah, I, I just think he's, he's done really, really well I mean I know 50 million is a lot of money for a fullback um, but the fact that he's only 22 um, and he has been a major part of United keeping you know a good number of clean sheets um, and he is improving going forward I think um, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good player to have in your squad it's it's looking good 
So let's look at the future of Manchester United. A number of uh, contract extensions being announced this week. Let's start with the Man match. Andy, the man didn't look too great for Manchester United towards the end of last season, but now seems to be reborn in this new revitalised five-at-the-back system. He has been. You're right. If you'd have said at the start of the season that Fred and Matic would be the central midfield combination for Manchester United, that would have not been welcomed. I remember interviewing Matic pre-season and announcing that I'd interviewed him and the reaction was decidedly muted. Uh, Fred uh, had a very tough early time at, at United, but neither of them started this season and they weren't in the plans. They weren't even in the match day squad right at the beginning and they've both become really important and I spoke quite a lot to Matic. I like him. I think he's an, an interesting fella. And he does. I like the fact that he doesn't get carried away. He's like, yeah, we've beaten City, but we shouldn't be where we are now. And I asked him about his contract after the game on Sunday because I'd read some reports that he signed. He hasn't actually signed it yet. He, he wants to sign it. United wants him to sign it. I fully expect it to, to go through and to happen. And given the form and how he's playing against some of the biggest teams because he was man of the match at City away before getting sent off, although he had scored... I think he's an important player. He's really experienced. The players like him. They like him as a person. He's not seen as a negative influence in the dressing room. And I think he, he deserves a contract extension. And I don't think you'll get complaints if you get one. And I think you would have done if that would have been announced in August. Another player who had his contract extended is uh, Tal Chong. Laurie, the youngster looked to be possibly on his way out earlier this season, but it looks like United are going to recommit to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, free agent at the end of the season, uh, it would have been. Um, so, uh, in January, he was allowed to talk to foreign clubs or his agents were. Uh, into one of the ones that came in quite um, strong for him, made him a contract offer. I think he was um, pretty happy with it. But uh, I think their plan for him was to send him out on loan and, and that perhaps wasn't part of his deal if he then moved to Inter. Um, United... Um, have made him a good offer themselves. I don't think it's um, you know near the level of, of, of the Inter we're offering, but um, nonetheless, it, clearly he feels that actually there's a pathway there for him at United. He's been getting more games recently. Solskjaer's been interesting in his handling of him, um, leaving him out at, at certain times, bringing him back in, and, and more recently, you know, he has has got some good 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 game time. So um, I guess he thinks that actually, you know, the grass isn't always greener. United clearly are trusting in youth. I do wonder if part of the deal that he's got now is go out on loan next season because I do feel like he is a player that would benefit from um, you know, a, a robust kind of season um, consistently playing you know, men's football, not just under 23. So um, I do wonder if that's part of the equation. But no, I, you know, considering he was, it did look like he was going to leave for nothing. I think signing him up for, for another, you know, uh, it's till 2022 with a potential 2023. So it's a good length of time, you know, it protects his value if they do end up wanting to sell him. There's also another possible youngster joining the Manchester United ranks. I'm hearing stories of a Jude Bellingham who was pictured leaving Carrington. His parents were pictured leaving Carrington. Apparently there's been talk that he's been speaking to the old guard of Manchester United of Eric Cantona and Alex Ferguson. Laurie, I need your expert opinion here. Who is Jude Bellingham? Why is he making such a ruckus? And why are United getting the big boys out to recruit him? 
Yeah, we did a piece um, on Jude Bellingham last week, uh, myself and Jack Britt Book on The Athletic, um, because it, there was reports in Germany that looked like um, Dortmund were you know, confident of sealing the deal and it was pretty much a, a done thing. Um, we were told that wasn't quite the case, that United still had um, an opportunity to convince him um, to, to come to United. Um, it's definitely the case that Mark, Mark Bellingham, uh, Jude's dad, um, who's very influential, um, Jude doesn't have an agent, so it's favoured a, a move to the Bundesliga. They'd seen what had happened with Jaden Sancho he's obviously done really well over there Erling Haaland as, as well thought that was a good next step but United were of the opinion that actually he could make that next step with them um, the, you look at what they've done with the younger players coming through Brandon Williams Mason Greenwood he definitely would get game time I think first team football is an important aspect to him um, so yeah um, they've they've obviously gone into Carrington to have a meeting Solskjaer was there um, Ed Woodward and Matt Judge um, were there Mike Phelan to kind of convince um, the family that and the player himself that United are, are an excellent next step um, I mean it's going to be a, a decent sum of money <laughs> you know we're talking I think 25 million um, if you go on the athletic we, we sort of talk about why it's such a, a large fee um, given he's only a scholar and usually if, if you sign a, a you know a scholar they um, are you know it, it can be minimal compensation um, uh, but yeah, so it, it's an interesting one to, to to see. Certainly, Dortmund are the favourites. You know, I think that's been a long-standing belief. But United are, are not out of the race yet, and he's a very exciting player uh, who people think could be worth you know way more than twenty-five in, in in a few years' time. Andy, have you heard much about this up-and-comer? I've heard a lot about him. We wrote about him eighteen months ago in United We Stand because you knew that. We knew that United were watching him and every other big club in Europe, to be honest. And everything that Laurie said there is right. He doesn't have an agent. His father has been is uh, an intelligent man who's guarded his son, uh, even when agents have tried to get close to him. And someone said to me over a year ago, if you're not watching him, then you're not doing your job properly. He's that good. Uh, I think it'd be a, a really good signing for United. And I like the fact that the club are, are, are wheeling out the, the, their the main men, people like Ferguson. And what United can do is say to Jude Bellingham, you've got a manager here who will play young players. Look at the first team now. Look what's happening. We're improving. We're buying young players. We're buying young British players as well. And I think it would be a very good fit for him. And Manchester United is still Manchester United. It's still the biggest club in England. It's a far bigger club than Borussia Dortmund. I went to Dortmund last week. It's it's probably got a better record of identifying emerging talent, giving them first team football, and then selling them for a huge profit. And they've done that with a dozen players in in the last decade. To some frustration to their fans who watch some of their best players go to to Bayern Munich, and I don't know what Jude Bellingham's attitude is to going to move and live in Germany. If he speaks to somebody like Stephen Pienaar, who went to Dortmund, Christian Pulisic, who went to Dortmund, and obviously Jadon Sancho, who's doing very well there, he'll probably get glowing reports. But Manchester is a better city than Dortmund. United, in theory, um, should be a stronger team than Borussia Dortmund. Um, they've got far a lot more money than Dortmund. But what Dortmund could probably say is, you're going to get a lot more first-team minutes here, and then you make your next move um, on. But I, I, I still fancy United. I wouldn't knock United out of this fight at all. I think United's very attractive. Far more than, say, Manchester City, who've obviously got a very good team, except when they play United. But 
they don't have the same track record of, of playing uh, young, promising players. And Phil Foden's now starting to feature, which is obviously good for City fans. But Sancho should never have had to leave Manchester City in the first place. So with Solskjaer there, I think, uh, and, and Ferguson, and it being Manchester United, and Manchester's not a million miles from Birmingham, where he grew up. And I, I, I think it would be a, a really exciting buy because I'm told by people who know far more than I do, who've been scouting him for a long time, that he is the real deal. He's fantastic. Can I just pick up on one thing there, Andy? I mean, just to sort of add into that, I'm led to believe, and it sort of goes along with those scouting reports, that you know they 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 would like to become one of the world's best players. You know, he's got that kind of burning ambition that you have with all these kind of elite players, um, and obviously. You know, United have done that in the past with a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he literally became one of the world's best players. You know, whilst playing for them, and I know it's a long time ago, but there's still some of the same characters there, and there's still the same ethos. So, uh, you know, I think if that's United's, if that's his desire, United can certainly you know put that stamp. Whereas I think, I suppose at Dortmund, you know, they haven't actually had a player that is world class. You know, leave them. You know, in that regard, I suppose. Yeah. I think United's a good fit for him and they can point to numerous examples. Wayne Rooney arrived when he was 18 years old, Cristiano Ronaldo. They're going to be looked after at United. It's it's a very stable uh, football club and it looks like it's one which is improving. And if I was a young player, I think I'd want to play with Wan-Bissaka or or Marcus Rashford or the young um, players that United are identifying I'd look at Bruno Fernandes and think I'd love to play with him. I suppose from his perspective, he's going to want an idea of how many games he's going to play. And it's impossible to get a guarantee. So that will be Dortmund's best pitch. And what Dortmund say to the players is, we will not stand in your way if we get a big enough offer to move on. United are different there. United don't want to be selling the best players to anybody. So maybe Jude Bellingham thinks, I go to Dortmund for two or three years. I improve, I, I get the experience of playing abroad, I learn another language, I, uh, I, I, I play first-team football more often than he might get it at United. But if he's good enough, play him at United. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash man you and pay the postage of four ninety five. And, as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletics podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment. And a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash manu to get your free case. And don't forget right now, Talk of the Devils listeners get two free extra beers. Gentlemen. Manchester United are meant to be playing Linsk or Latsk on Thursday and there's meant to be a whole bunch of Manchester United fans flying out to Austria. Due to current coronavirus fears, do you think they're going to be able to travel? 
I've actually just texted somebody at United, an official at United, who um, says uh, in response that at the moment, uh, in terms of fans going out there, um, they'll only take direction from um, the club, um, the, 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 the Austrian government and UEFA. Um, and so far, they're, they're sort of happy that, you know, it's going ahead as you know previously planned you know, in a stadium of, you know, the Colts, 14,000. So I guess it is a fast changing situation that could still change we were recording this on Tuesday morning obviously the game's not till Thursday evening so um, yeah I mean I'm going out there um, as it stands Andy's going out there as it stands although I had to uh, change my flights Um, we had a Lufthansa flight from Manchester um, Wednesday morning uh, that was going to go via Frankfurt and then into Linz which is the Austrian city third biggest in Austria that where, where the match is played um, and then that got cancelled I think some some coronavirus um, relation whether it was um, that there weren't enough people on the flight because people were not travelling or, or, or whatever I'm not sure but now I'm flying uh, direct to Vienna on um, Wednesday uh, afternoon and then getting a train across I don't really fancy being quarantined in Austria for however long it might be uh, yeah uh, it's a crazy situation really there's a thousand United fans uh, heading to Austria. Uh, they've booked the trip. They've paid for the tickets. They've paid for the train tickets. A lot of them are flying into Vienna and then getting a train on. Unfortunately, the trains in Austria are not as cheap as they were in Belgium for the last round. So it's 70 euros, 80 euros return. And it will be a big shock to these people if they're not allowed to go into the game. And I know it's only sport. And in the greater scheme of things, it shouldn't matter as much as as, as people's health and obviously the, the seriousness of the coronavirus. But there are United fans who go to every single game wherever they play. There are hundreds of them. And they'll be absolutely distraught if the game is played behind closed doors. It hasn't been confirmed yet. There are some sources in Austria saying that it will be played behind closed doors, but it's not been confirmed yet. So it's just speculation. And I think this is a sign of what's coming in, in Spain uh, the next two weeks, league fixtures are going to be played behind closed doors. Barcelona's game against Napoli next day is also going to be behind closed doors. So this is a sign of the times. And I think in, in, in England, just looking where the virus is spread in other countries, then it looks probable that there's going to be some major changes to the, to the, to the fixture. I shouldn't laugh at the situation at all, but I have seen some pretty dark humour where People are saying it would be a real shame if Liverpool didn't win the league title this year because the league season had to be suspended. And I smiled at that, I've got to be honest. But clearly this is far more serious than sport. I will admit, Andy, I did laugh at that joke as well. And I did also raise an eyebrow where James Pearce, the athletics reporter for Liverpool, wrote a story where basically Liverpool could have to raise the Premier League trophy in front of no fans because it'll be behind closed doors. You know you say you shouldn't laugh. Well, I'm not going to laugh, but part of me would find it hilarious if Liverpool... Well, not not seeing them lift the first title since 1990, but if Anfield was was empty... Look, I know, I know this is a, is, a, is a serious issue, and I know that a lot of people would suffer. Football clubs would suffer. Football's a quite a big industry, and I know there are more important industries than football, which would be badly affected um, by this virus. But part of me, I'm sorry... I really would and I don't think I'd be doing my duty as a Manchester United supporter if I didn't have that attitude and I'm sure Liverpool fans would be exactly the same if it was the other way around the phrase Schackenfreud I've probably not pronounced it correctly was invented for football fans it really was (laughs) 
let's talk about some uh, a bit more Manchester United news. Uh, apparently, some season ticket prices have been held yet again for next season. Laurie, this is good, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, they've, they've frozen them for um, a ninth season in a row, um, and I think personally that is that should be the case. You know, they obviously make enough money commercially. I think the fans are often um, the last to be thought of when it comes to pricing. When you look at the away tickets and how long that took to get, you know, down to a, a sort of more palatable level. Um, so yeah, fair play to to United for for freezing them. Um, I suppose there is a long waiting list. Um, I, I just would always sort of think that you. You'd want a full stadium. You'd want um, a vociferous sort of support, um, and you know, keeping ticket prices uh, affordable. Although you know, there are still quite a few expensive ones. Is is a good way to do that? So yeah, fair play. I mean, I've I've edited United We Stand for over thirty years, and I'd say that the two main issues consistently have been ticket prices and the atmosphere at the games. And there's been times in the early nineties and in the mid-noughties after the Glazer family took over where ticket prices rose steeply. And it was a massive concern. And I know people who were genuinely priced out of going to matches. So the fact that they've been held for a ninth season, it's absolutely encouraging. Clubs, as Laurie said, they do get far more of their income now from broadcast, from commercial, uh, the bigger clubs at least. It used to be where gate money was really, really important. I'm sure it's still important, but Holding the prices is a good thing. The atmosphere's got better. I thought the atmosphere at the Derby game on Sunday was really good. As Laurie said, I've not heard a noise like that. Probably since United beat Liverpool a couple of years ago. And it's good. There's going to be more changes. The club are hopeful of introducing sections of safe standing stroke rail seats at Old Trafford for next season. I'd absolutely welcome that. And... I'm glad that the club are now listening to fans on issues like ticket prices, like the atmosphere, because they didn't for years. I was writing about it for years, and we just met a complete brick wall. And the club were wrong. And years later, Martin Edwards, who was the chairman, he apologised. He said, I got it wrong. I should have put an executive uh, section of seats right in the middle of the, the vocal heartland of the Stratford End. And, the Stratford End um, vocal section has been really good again on Sunday. It's going to expand for next season. That's not without issue because some fans are going to lose the seats. They're going to be moved over in the club due to better seats and they're not going to have to pay any extra for that. But when you start moving people, um, there's always issues that come with that. People are very loyal. If, well, loyal is probably not the right word, but they like where they sit. They like the people around them and... When you ask to move them, then that throws up complications. But broadly speaking, I think it's great that the um, that the Red Army, the, the vocal section, has been so loud and, and so effective. And Old Trafford is better for having a, a better atmosphere. So, forgive me for saying this, but Manchester United just beat Manchester City. Ticket prices seem to be on the freeze to increase better fandom. United are on the way up. Could this be that Paul Pogba stays? Laurie, give me your thoughts. It is a funny uh, situation now, but, um, because I mean, 
the, the questions still remain who will pay his wages who will afford the transfer fee that United would want um, it has looked for a long time that it would depart in the summer and I still think that's that's the likeliest course of action just because then United could fund you know uh, moves for, for other people you know namely Jack Grealish um, but somebody else proposed to me who's close to the first team said you know he wouldn't be surprised if he ended up signing some kind of new contract um, I mean, he's got obviously a clause that would the United can trigger to make it uh, two years that he's got left in the summer um, so I'm sure they, they would do that um, but yeah Pogba is back training he was uh, doing some individual work um, on Friday um, and I think he'll be back with the first team this week um, whether or not he actually plays against Lask or um, then at the weekend on, on you know at Spurs on Sunday um, you know he's in the squad I don't know I think he's still probably a, a way away from that but yeah he's, he's, he's back in the in, in training at least so uh, perhaps it is a slightly different situation than obviously where he you know where we last heard of him properly um, on New Year's Day when Solskjaer said he was going to be out and have his operation the pitch has changed a little bit um, uh, so yeah um, I was actually watching a a sort of a tactical thing with Tim Sherwood who was it was pretty he called it pretty pretty accurately ahead of the uh, City game um, how it was going to go and he, he just thought that a, a midfield of Pogba uh, Scott McTominay and uh, Bruno as a sort of you know th- uh, a three would, would be pretty immense and it is quite an appealing uh, sight albeit obviously there's a lot to sort of go before that happens Fingers crossed as I'm telling you this, the game should hopefully go ahead and as a fan as a United fan, it could be quite disappointing not to be able to, to make the away trip. But also as a Lats fan, surely you've never seen your team play a team such as Manchester United before. Isn't this the sort of thing dreams are made of? Yeah, it is. And I, I spoke to some people in Austria last week and said it's it's the biggest game in, in the club's history. Uh, my loyalties and concerns is more with the, the 900 United fans who've got tickets and those who are travelling without tickets. But... The Europa League is good for this. It's good to go to different places. I've never been to Linz and I'm looking forward to it. And the Linz fans, Linz are unlikely to get into the the Champions League, although they're having a very good domestic season. And they're absolutely buzzing because Manchester United are, are coming to their pretty small city on the banks of the Danube. And if uh, the game has got to be played behind closed doors, they're going to be hugely disappointed and refunds are going to have to be made. It throws up all kinds of different logistical issues and it's it's a serious problem but it's not as serious as people as people who are who are losing their lives to this and i suppose governments are trying to act in the best interests to, to minimize the risk to their population and football is only a form of entertainment but there's clearly a social cost if if games um, start getting played behind uh, closed doors it's, it's a pretty messy situation Producer Aidan Maia telling me that apparently Manchester United are playing against Jose Mourinho on the weekend. Is that true? Surely not, Laurie. Uh, yes, uh, it is true, Carl. The fixtures uh, have decreed it. So um, I think it's actually a good time to play Tottenham. They obviously lost, well, four in a row and then drew at Burnley. Uh, I'm putting the Norwich one down as a defeat, given they obviously went out of the FA Cup on penalties. Um and they've obviously got loads of injuries, um, another one um, sort of this week. So um, I think it's probably a decent time. And, and I'd, I can't recall that was was there ever a time that United have done the double over City, Chelsea, and uh, Spurs in the same season? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but obviously that's on the the table. Um, so yeah, I I I think it's probably a decent time to to play them, and obviously the the. the um, the, the spectre of Harry Kane being out injured still uh, and the fact that does he want to weigh up where he's at with Spurs does that bring United to the table I think is a, a definite intriguing uh, aspect to it all um, but yeah I, I don't know I think United are in a good vein and it's a, it's a good time to play Spurs 
I'm with Laurie on it being a good time. However, when United are at their most confident this season, that's when they tend to have these stinking results. And when United are at their lowest ebb, as they were before the Tottenham home game in December, that's when they tend to pull the, the good results out. So can I please predict that Tottenham will defeat Manchester <laughs> United on Sunday and continue in the vein that uh, we've, we've done in the last few weeks of this podcast? Okay, yep, great. Uh, I think it's going to be a confident win. And on that note, I'm going to end today's podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of Talk of the Devils. Laurie, it's always been a pleasure. Cheers, Carl. And Andy, I hope your week's travel goes well. Cheers, Carl. I'll see you in Austria, Laurie. See you, Andy. Don't forget, listener, you can subscribe to The Athletic to hear this podcast and many more shows. New subscribers can sign up right now to get a 40% discount by going to theathletic.com forward slash United Pod. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Talk of the Devils podcast, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be back next week.